Hello and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. Um, this is Kylie and this week I'm interviewing uh, mine and Camus's mom, Tawny Johnson. Hi. Um, so yep, she's here to share with us her testimony and story about how she knows God's real and good. Let's just kind of start off with um, where you grew up. Um, I grew I was originally from Lewiston and then I grew up in a Soton about elementary age. Um, and so tell us about your like religious background, about if you grew up Christian or what kind of home you grew up in. So my parents divorced when I was about six months old, and so my mom was a single parent for a lot of my childhood and was married a few times during that. I initially didn't have any religion whatsoever. My mom met a lady named Mary when I was very young, and she kind of tried to mentor my mother. She was telling her about God and about what Christ has done for her, their family. We would go to their house many different times, and we'd have dinners. They lived, eventually they moved to St. Mary's, and we would go up and spend like the weekend with them. And I think the, the last time I was there was about six years old, but she made a really strong impression in my life because of their home life. There was a mom and dad, and there was four kids, they homeschooled their kids, and this was before I'd even heard of anybody ever homeschooling. Um, they, Their house always smelled like home-cooked meals. It was just a different atmosphere. And the one thing that stood out in my mind the most is they would have morning and evening worship. And I had never seen anybody ever do that. I never actually saw anybody ever do that again until I was in my 20s. But we would all sit down and kneel twice a day. We'd have a worship or some kind of devotion, a Bible story, and then we would pray. And I didn't always understand what they were saying, but I understood that it was something that I admired in their family. Yeah, and that's cool. And, like, we do that now in our home and our family. We Every night and morning, well, most mornings and nights because sometimes we forget, but we, we all sit down and we pray. And I know, like, I always like it because, like, sometimes it – Gives, we all come together and it gives us a chance to pause. And usually we get down on the floor to kneel at the end. And usually we sit on the floor for like five to ten minutes afterwards <laughs> just talking or laughing. And like even though if we were all in the living room before, it gives us a chance to like pause and come back together as a family. Yeah, definitely. I like I liked that, that feeling of it. Yeah. So then, so Mary started you out, started out your Christian, started, introduced you to Christ kind of. Right, and she gave me um, a couple Bible books. They're like had some really colorful pictures and Bible stories, so I knew a couple of the basic Bible stories. Um, I didn't really have. I learned to pray. Praying was probably the biggest thing I learned. I learned that when things are hard, to learn to pray, and I prayed at night. But when I was in my teenage years, um, I went to church probably maybe a dozen times. So I I understood what church was, but I didn't really understand what Christ was and what kind of relationship you could have with him. I didn't have a really strong relationship. I was shy and introverted child. I didn't have strong relationships with people, so I didn't realize that God could be much deeper. I thought I was a Christian, but I didn't really know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And then as I grew older in my teenage years, my mom and her brother and her sister all got really deep into metaphysical. They got into um, Ouija boards, tarot cards, um, a lot of different kind of metaphysical books, um, prophets that were false prophets, but I didn't understand that. 
I read a lot of books um, by Edgar Cayce. I, they talk about God, and I really thought they were talking about the same kind of God that I had. I didn't realize that they were talking about multiple gods. I didn't mm. realize that they weren't talking about God, the Creator. So I thought these were just books that complemented the Bible. I didn't realize that they weren't talking about the same thing. So I would pray and I would read them, but I didn't seem to retain what I was reading. And it just never, It I believed in it, but it just didn't fit. I sometimes knew, like sometimes, like the Ouija board especially, I knew it was dark and it wasn't right. But that they were grouping this all together in the same religion and there was just some aspects of it that weren't right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like, yeah, like you're saying, you're like, well, you know, you didn't know much about God. You're like, wow, so this is trying to learn something. Like, this is Christianity. This is what God is. But even without knowing, you knew, like, this isn't, something's not right about a lot of these things. One of the things I remember having a conversation with my mom multiple times was, is they would say that you're supposed to, like, um, repeat things multiple times. And they would say, like, um, I am God, and was one of the things. And I felt like that was wrong. I knew, and they would say, well, God was within you. And Christianity says that, but I had never heard that at that point. And I just kept feeling like, I can't say that. That would be blasphemy. But nobody told me that. That was just a feeling I had. Because um, you knew you weren't God. <laughs> no, I was far from God, really far from God. And so my uncle was so deep in it. He actually wrote books about it and had he had his own prophets. He said that there was a little guy that lived on his shoulder that would talk to him, um, giving him information. We laugh about it now because this has been many years later. But at the time, it's, it was kind of followed everything that I was learning and what they were teaching me. Um, there was supposed to be a big... Oh, he was like a prophet, I guess, or like he could read read your life and tell you your future. They were really into past lives. And there was a group of us of like 20, and we were supposed to feel really special that we were invited in this group. Um, my uncle and my aunt and my mom were because they because of their connections, and I just got to come along. Um, I don't think my aunt was there actually at that time, but there was a group of us of 20 people in this building, and this guy was supposed to be really revered and special and he was supposed to go around and he said he was telling us different things and at the end he said he was going to go around and tell everybody something really special about their life and I was praying the whole time he had started with the person on the right so I was actually like two people to the right so I was actually a couple people from the end so I had a long time to pray as he went around and told, told everybody something and I wasn't even listening to what he was telling other people I was just praying and pleading God I was in my early 20s or late teens and I was just praying God please I know my life is a mess. I know I've not made the right choices, but it just seemed to be a vicious cycle. I wasn't making better choices. Things weren't changing. I would just keep making the same mistakes over. And so I was really praying for some kind of guidance. And when it was just about my turn, I started staring at him thinking, okay, God, God is going to give me something because I just know it. And the guy wouldn't look at me. He put up his hand so he couldn't see my face. And, oh, wow. he, <laughs> and he said, I can't tell you anything about her. I can't read her. And I was about ready to cry. I was had so much hope in what he was going to say, and it hurt my feelings so bad that he wouldn't even acknowledge me. I didn't know what to do. And when it was over, I was asking my mom, "Why? You know why?" And she's like, "I don't know. I know don't know. I'll talk to him." And I tried to go up and talk to him, and he would turn his back to me every time I was standing by him. He would turn so he couldn't see me, and he would never acknowledge me. 
Wow. Just like that thought, that's like crazy. Cause you're sitting there and like looking back now, you know, these people who are much more on the dark side, like talking to Satan rather than talking to God and talking yeah. to other gods, which in turn is just Satan, you know, but you're sitting in the midst of this praying to the true God and he can't, he can't look at you and can't take part in that. And like, I know this experience isn't exactly the same, but it makes me think of Moses when he comes down from the Mount of Sinai and his face is lit up and the people of Israel, maybe not this particular time, but they, you know, when he goes up there, they, they sin while he's gone because he's not there watching right over them. And when he comes down his face aglow, they can't look at him. And I don't believe that your face was aglow or anything, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's the same. You were praying to the true God and God was with you in some sense, even though you were sinning and your life wasn't right, but you were sitting there really pleading with the true God that he did put some sort of protection, some sort of around you. Right. And I had learned later after I learned about Christianity and I learned who they're actually speaking to. And it, and it's, it's not God. It's fallen angels that come in many different forms and shapes. And they believe that um, sometimes they'll tell you that there are people that you've known that have passed away or whatever. And I learned from multiple things that definitely was God. God was protecting me and teaching me that this wasn't right, the right path to be on. Yeah. My walk to Christianity, a lot of people have a conversion story where it's just one big thing. They, they just, they learned about God and they just turned and went 360 the other direction. Um, my story is not like that at all. I had multiple things that God just took me in baby steps. I'm very hard headed and I, (laughs) and I think I, I have a hard time letting go of things and changing. And so God is patient and loving and just kept wooing me. And so it was many different things in my life that brought me to Christianity. Yeah. Um, and I think God works with all of us in different ways, you know, but so like we talked about this a little bit before, but yeah, your story is a lot of little stories and part of it is your conversion and stuff. But, um, one of the stories I wanted you to share was about, you were in like four car accidents and what was it? Yeah. So when I was just right before my 21st birthday, I had, um, so this was about a similar time as all the metaphysical type stuff that your family was into. Um, yeah, it was, it was after that it was, so I was drinking, I was very in the world. I was drinking, I was partying. I, um, when I was in high school, I had done drugs, but by that time I had quit. Um, that's just an, a backstory. I was, I smoked pot in, in high school and hung out with all the people that did um, I had a boyfriend that we went over to one of his drug dealers' houses. So anyways, um, we, we were smoking marijuana, and we were passing it around. And a few seconds after, I, it was my turn. Something was terribly wrong. And I started feeling really, really sick, and I started seeing tracers and everybody. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And I knew I was really high, and I knew they had laced it with something. I wasn't sure exactly what, but I knew I was not having a good reaction to it, and I don't like the feeling of not being in control. And I um, tried to stand up, and I couldn't hardly walk. I was um, everything was moving weird, and I ran into the wall. It was a really tiny studio apartment, so I just walked into the back 
out the back door and I felt like my heart was racing, like I was going to have a heart attack. And I was started sweating profusely and it was summertime and I just laid out in their backyard and they were trying to get me up because they didn't want me to lay in the backyard so the neighbors <laughs> would see. Yeah. And I just couldn't. And all I remember doing was just praying to God, going, God, if you take me out of this situation, I promise I will never get high again. I promise. I feel like I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it probably wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but that's how I felt at the time. Yeah. And was that your first time ever doing pot or had it? Like, no, I had done so, it multiple times. So it wasn't just like, oh. No. So this was actually giving up something. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I'll never do it again, even though it's my first time. You. No, I had done it for several years. Yeah, so you were giving, it wasn't, yeah, it was something you were giving up. Yeah, and it was like more of a recreational thing, but I knew for myself it wasn't a good choice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's many benefits for some people with especially medical, but for me, I knew it wasn't a good choice. I didn't make good choices when I was high. I did things that I wouldn't have normally done. And so I was telling God, please help me out of this situation. And um, I woke up. And I don't know how long the time, if it was many years, a few hours later, but everybody had left me and I was really hurt. I thought, you know, these are supposed to be my friends. I thought I was dying, but obviously they knew I wasn't. Yeah. And I thought, what kind of, what kind of life am I leading? I have friends that aren't backing me, a boyfriend that just left me. Yeah. Well, did they leave you outside? Yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. Yeah. And it was dark by that time, by the time I woke up and I don't know what time it was. I don't remember, but I remember getting in my car and going home and saying, okay, God, I, I made a promise to you and I made a vow to you. I had, I did do it a couple of times later, but but I'm for the most part, I had stopped then. I called up my boyfriend and broke up with him that day, um, changed friends, made some really drastic things that affected my senior year in high school. I basically just walked away from that whole friend group, and it took me a long time to make friends again. And that's like, that's really hard in high school. And like, that's pretty awesome that, you know, like that one promise to God, like yeah. changed a whole bunch of stuff. It did. And it's not easy. It's not easy no. to come to God because there was many times where I felt really especially, alone. Yeah, especially not in high school because, like, that's a big part of, like, what a lot of people high school experience. That's our dog, sorry. Um, but it's, like, a big part of it is, like, inclusion and, like, having friends and being parts of this group, which community and groups are great things, but that's a big part of what people want in high school. And to walk away from this group that you do have to be alone or find new friends is hard. It's awesome though that you were able to like do that. I think it's God. I think he gives you the ability, but it's still, it's very hard. And, and, and I knew it was right, but then I went to just to an, I'd always drank. So I just found a group of kids that didn't get high, but we still drank and partied and did things like that. So by the time I was 21, I was kind of, I wasn't making good choices and it just came to this vicious cycle of the same thing over and over, and I didn't seem to be progressing. And um, I was in four vehicle wrecks that were all totals in the matter of three months. And the first one was my friend and I, we were my best friend. We were going up to Waha to have a keg, and we had the keg in, of beer in the back of the trunk of the car. And we ended up getting in an auto accident, and I ended up in the emergency room. Um, they still went up and partied. And yeah, so then the next one was, um, we were in another wreck and it was my friend and I too, except we were with two boys at the time. Um, I was so drunk that when we wrecked, I didn't even realize that we had been in a wreck. Oh goodness. And we totaled the rig. 
it still none of this was really clicking with me. I just like, well, this is bad luck. Um, always somebody else's fault. <laughs> You're like, this isn't serious. Like, I shouldn't be concerned about my life or anything. No, not at all. Not at all. And then I was with another girlfriend. We were in Moscow, and she wrecked her car. And my 21st birthday, I went with a guy that I didn't really know very well. We were just friends, but we went up a river up past the Soton. And I just turned 21. I bought alcohol. We sat on the beach, and we got drunk. Um, decided to go back to town because I wanted to go partying for my 21st birthday. And we were, he, I let him drive my rig. I did, it was fairly new. I hadn't had it very long, so I was pretty proud of it and let him drive my Toyota pickup back to Soton. And around here, Toyota pickups are the cool car. Like if you're a cool kid, you have a Toyota pickup. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I felt like I was great. I mean, I, it's like that now for sure. And I'm pretty sure it was like that then too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And so I was pretty proud of it. And we, we were speeding. I remember sitting in the passenger seat getting really angry because I thought he was speeding, but not wanting to say anything to seem grumpy or anything. And um, all of a sudden, he lost control on the gravel. We were going too fast. He, he hit a parked rig. There was someone there fi- fishing on the side of the river and hit it. He went into the other lane and had overcorrected and actually went on the other b- embankment on the other side, on the land side. And then he came back and overcorrected again, and we were headed towards the river. And I had a cross necklace on it on at the time. And I remember grabbing it and thinking, oh, God, save me. I am in trouble. And I don't even know if I had time to think much, but I don't know what happened. But I just started grabbing the steering wheel and start turning it the other direction. Like, I don't remember a voice telling me to do it. I don't remember consciously doing it. I just did it. And then we went off a 60-foot embankment and ended up in the river, 50 feet into the river, right at Buffalo Eddy. I grew up in a Soton. I knew what Buffalo Eddy was not a safe place to be. Um, there's a lot of undertoes that will pull you down. And I knew I just needed to get out of there. Um, as the truck was sinking in the water and the water was filling into the truck, uh, I remember crawling out the window and the window was right level with the water. And I had two dogs in the back. One was actually tied in the back. And praise God, it broke. and let, So they were swimming to shore. I started swimming to shore, and a lady that was fishing that we had just hit her vehicle started swimming out to me asking if we were okay. And the kid that was with me, I didn't realize it, but he didn't know how to swim. Oh, wow. And so she went out and and got him. I ended up in the hospital again. I had split my head open. I spent several weeks in my mom's living room floor watching TV because I was supposed to be on bed rest. (laughs) And that was a wake-up call. I started thinking, God, I'm seriously headed for trouble. I started thinking about all the vehicle wrecks we had been in, the choices we were making. And and then on top of that, um, I know because you've told me this story several times, but you said that one of the police officers that came out there and examined this last wreck scene had said that the car, the truck, was headed straight towards a light pole or power pole. Right. And if you... It hadn't veered off at that last moment. And he, being not in the rig, didn't know why it had veered off at that last moment. You would have most likely died, right? Yeah. He told me I would have died on impact. Yeah. So that, you turning that steering wheel at that moment, that was definitely God or angels guiding your hand. Definitely. Because I don't think it was me. Because I didn't, I didn't know why that had happened. But I, he, he was telling us as we were looking for the vehicle in the water, they had divers there. And he said, he was saying, man, you're just so lucky if that car, if you hadn't veered off at the last minute, you would be dead. You would have died right on impact because 
that's right where the power pole, that's right where the tracks and the gravel were headed. And I knew that was God. I knew God said, you know. Yeah. And that that was a big wake-up call for you, huh? Definitely. Definitely. And then in the midst of that, we came back that day looking for the rig. Or no, it was a couple days later. Um, when you're a teenager, you carry most of your important things in your car. And one of the things I had in there was my purse and my wallet. And I just, as a girl, it just meant everything. It had all my friends' pictures and my cards and my bank cards and that kind of thing. And it just meant a lot to me. Not that it's important, but it did to me. But it feels important. Yeah. Right. And so we were combing the beaches and my stepdad at the time said, oh, I found your purse. And he brought it to me. We were all excited at first. And it was just my purse. It wasn't my wallet. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't, that's not really exactly what I meant. I wanted my wallet. I wanted what was in my wallet. And we walked around again and there was my wallet and I opened it up. And even though it had been smurged in the water because the outside of it was wet, Nothing inside it was ruined. Nothing. Not the pictures or anything. And I thought, God is so good. He saved my life and he gave me what really meant the most to you. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, back to what you're saying. You spent a couple weeks on bed rest. Yeah. So I didn't make any changes at that time and I didn't know how to make changes. I was working at a gas station. Um, It's like a truck stop for a bunch of truckers. And I was fairly new there. One day, a guy came into the store, and all the girls, like, left the front of the store. They just left me out there, which you're really not supposed to do, but, you know, sometimes you do. And they're like, oh, no, he's here again, you know, and they were (laughs) hiding. And I didn't know why they were hiding or who they were hiding from. So I didn't really know who they were hiding from, but I knew it was this older gentleman that came in. And I was like, whatever. I just kept working and doing my thing, and he came over to me. And he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Not realizing that I had never been baptized. I never gave my life to the Lord. But in my mind, I was like a Christian for as little education as I had. Because to you, a Christian meant you believed in Christ. Right. And you did. Right. But you didn't understand what all that encompassed. Right. I didn't have a relationship with mm-hmm. with him. I, I thought I did, but I didn't really. I had tried to read the Bible a few times. Um I'm not a really strong reader, so I had dyslexic when I was younger, and I maybe I still do, but I'm not a real strong reader, and so I didn't, it was hard to read the Bible and understand what I was reading. So when I met this guy, he started talking to me, and he said, can I give you something? And I could tell he was really genuine and sincere, and I could hear the girls kind of as they're mingling in and out of the main room where the cashier is and all that. I I knew they were watching me, but I said, yes, you can give me something. And he gave me a book and I took it and I went back to the back room to put it with my stuff. And they're like, oh no, you you took it from him. Why did you do that? And they're like heckling me. And I just was like, no, this is the right thing to do. And I got home and I didn't, on the front of it, it said love. And I like flipped through it. And I don't know why, but for some reason I thought it was the Bible, but it's really just the gospel. The first, it's just the New Testament and I think, I think it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and maybe Acts, but it wasn't the whole whole New Testament. Yeah. But at that point, I didn't know. I didn't understand. But it was, I'd only ever read King James Version, so I didn't realize that there was other versions that are easier to understand. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what version that was, but it was, it was a very common language. So I started reading it, and not very faithfully, but I did. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And... 
that went on for for quite a while. I don't remember the time frame or anything, but I do remember um, I had a roommate. We were living in a condo, and I was reading that, trying to read it every night, but I was still going on drinking and partying. <laughs> and I, I had been out with several different guys and just didn't seem like I really wanted to get married and get settled down have a family. My family life was a little bit dysfunctional and I just wanted something different. And I remember praying to God and I was praying to him one night and I don't know, it wasn't really an audible voice, but I got this impression that God said, you're going to meet somebody in a house and it's going to be on the third day. And I thought, oh, you know, is that kind of, kind of go into the gray area of metaphysical or is this really God? And I started praying to him. I was like, God, is this you? Is this are you telling me something? And I had an impression that he did. And it was probably three or four weeks later, um, I had a, another Toyota pickup. <laughs> <laughs> this was a different one. <laughs> yeah, another one was totaled. And so um, it started having motor problems and it wasn't, it was losing compression and it wasn't, it just wasn't having power anymore. And I knew something was wrong with it. So my stepdad said, oh, I know this guy in WeIpe and he works on Toyotas and he does motors. So we, my stepdad worked it out and we took the truck up there to be worked on. And it wasn't till hindsight till a few weeks later that it, I realized it was on September 3rd that I met him. But I'm like, is this him? And I was like, oh Lord, this is not him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not interested in me. This isn't like, I don't know. This just wasn't it. He, but I did end up after having to take my rig back to him a couple times, <laughs> I did end up have, dating him. And um, the joke was that he wouldn't fix it right, so you'd have to keep coming back. <laughs> right, that's my version. He has a different version. He says I bro kept breaking it, but and long story short, I did end up marrying him and having four children. And he he's a great, great, wonderful guy, and I do believe God sent him to me, mm -hmm. but. He was also a work in progress, and it took us a long time to be where we are today with God. Yeah. And so then, just fast forward a bit, just kind of cover things quickly. But so, yeah, you guys got married, and um, well, you had my older sister, and then got married. Right. And then, um, in the middle of that summer, you guys, you started going to church because you went to church when you were little, and you wanted that for your children. Right. And and I was still reading the love book. Uh-huh. And I felt like um I needed to read it to my daughter, Shaylee, every night. And I felt like, yes, I needed some kind of religion. So when she was uh she was under six months old, I tried to find a church and I couldn't find it. So I ended up going to we were living in Camia at the time, and I ended up going to a church in Orfino. And they're like, Oh, there's a church in Camia. Did you know that? And I'm like, um, yeah, but I couldn't find it. And this, <laughs> and this is before Google and uh, Google Maps. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't find it. So they tried to explain it to me as nicely as they could. And I'm very... And, and mom is very directionally challenged. You can tell her directions. You can literally give her directions. And sometimes she'll be going down the road. And if you haven't given her directions in the last five minutes, she decides it's time to turn. <laughs> like, I'm like, go straight for 10 miles. Five minutes later, she turns left. I'm like, why are you going? Yes, this is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, very true. She'll call our dad. She was like going somewhere once to get a cat or a dog. 
And she's like four or five hours away in Montana. She calls him, I'm lost. Where am I at? <laughs> and like, you know, somehow he's able to figure it out. He's not even there and get her back on the right road. Yes. <laughs> this is why God gave me Sean. <laughs> because some people need more directions than others. <laughs> so I didn't find the church, obviously, in Kamei, but I started going to a church just next door. And they did a really good Bible study on the tabernacle. I can't say that I understood probably more than 20% of it. It was way over my head. Um, but I wanted to. And I started going to church. But I I really wanted to go to this other church that I couldn't find. I really did. Um, in the midst of going to church, my husband and I are still drinking, social drinkers, and going out on the weekend, going to the bar type of thing. And um, I go to the bar one weekend, and, oh, no, I need to back up. So um, I had worked in Liston at a clothing store called Lamont's, and I had worked with a gal who was a Christian. And she had moved to Kamei, and I don't know how she heard that I did, but she looked me up, and she came and looked me up, and we ended up going to the bar, drinking with her. And I was telling her how I really wanted to go to this specific church, but I didn't know where it was. And she said, oh, I go to that church sometimes. Um, she was raised in that church and she said we'll go together you guys are sitting at the bar <laughs> making plans to go to church exactly exactly and it didn't even dawn on me that that would even not be right or wrong I just I didn't I had some of my best conversations with people at the bar about religion um <laughs> at least I thought they were now hindsight I'm like I knew nothing <laughs> but so we go to the church she takes me um and praise God for her um I started attending church there. Then they had a seminar, um, and I started going to the seminar. It was like a week, every day, it was every day of the week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday type thing. I didn't make it to all of them because at this time you were a baby, yeah. so I had two kids. Um, two little tots. Two little tots that were hard to listen to everything. Uh, I was very intrigued by it. Uh, the third or fourth night I went, um, the guy that was speaking, Doug Batchelor, had written a book called The Rich Richest Caveman. And I just thought it was ironic because I had had this book for two years in my bookshelf. Oh. My best friend who lived in Oregon at the time had sent it to me. We send gifts to each other through the mail. And she had sent it to me. So I called her up and I said, why did you send me this Reacher's Caveman book? And she's like, I don't even remember sending it to you. <laughs> I don't know where I got it. Um, it's, it was, he has a good testimony. But um, I felt like it was another sign that mm -hmm. this was the way God was leading me and that I had. So I did get baptized after this, the seminar. Um, I still was drinking occasionally and I was still smoking. I had a hard time understanding what it meant to have a relationship with God and then give up your old lifestyle. A lot of things you see on TV is, is that you just ask God into your life and you're baptized and you're saved and that's it. And I didn't realize that it was a progressive relationship that you yeah. And I wish I had known earlier that it was because the deeper relationship you have with God, God is so awesome. And I wish everybody could understand that and know Him. And it's a shame that many people don't get past this, the first initial baptism and, and don't realize that there's a deeper, more intimate relationship with Christ. Yeah. That's cool, though. I like that. Um, but there's a couple more stories I wanted you to share. But 
just kind of to like wrap up that our story, yeah. our life. So mom got baptized and then it was like two or three years later, our dad got baptized or how long was it later? Yeah, a couple years. I'm a not couple sure. years. Yeah. Yeah. So in at that point people were coming and doing Bible studies in the home with you and dad slowly started taking interest in them. Is that right? Right. So he did come to me with me. Um I I when I went to the first church, I remember a gal we prayed for her husband every day that he would be a Christian. And I didn't want to be that kind. I didn't want to hound him. I wanted him, but I remember thinking it's it's his choice. <laughs> so I I guess I should have prayed for him, but it just didn't dawn on me. But we started doing Bible studies. Um so they came to the house and started doing Bible studies, um, which was a huge blessing. They would come over once a week and the pastor and a few of the members of the church would come and we went through a whole series. A lot of times I didn't understand everything that we were learning. Um, I don't know if I retained very much of it, but it was the it was the relationship. It was the interpersonal relationship that they came. I didn't know Christian people, and their lifestyle seemed so different and so strange, and I didn't feel like I would fit in. One lady asked us to come over for um, a meal after church one time, and I remember telling her, I don't think that I feel comfortable doing that. I don't even know what we would talk about. I really felt like I, these were alien people, and I just couldn't. I wanted Christ, but I couldn't understand them. You couldn't understand because you grew up very like, like very few experiences with Christians. Like the lady Mary that started introduce you to Christ when you were very young. That was one of the very few Christians you had like very strongly in your life. Like, yeah, I don't remember anybody else in my life being a Christian. Yeah. And so it was very odd. And and if you grow up in the church, that's hard to understand that people see it that way. But they came to my home and um, they brought some of the youth sometimes would come and watch you and Kylie or Shaylee, you and Shaylee downstairs. Kylie's I'm talking to. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Sean at first would go outside and work in the garage and just not be there. Eventually and slowly he would come in and join it. He also didn't come from a Christian background. His grandmother would go to church, and on the summer he would go see her, but he really didn't have any more idea of what Christ was or what a relationship was than I did. So he was interested, but it was also different and kind of... It took some warming up, too. Yeah, and so a couple years later, he was baptized. Um, He told me that he did it for his kids, that he felt that if you were going to be a Christian and he wanted his kids to turn out that way, he would have to do it by example, which has been a good example. That's awesome. And I know it really has, um, this is kind of sidetrack and more dad's story than your story, but dad, my dad, every morning he would wake up and before he would go to work, he would read his Bible. And I saw that growing up and I saw him do that every morning. And nobody in my family is very strong reader in wasn't either, but I was about, we were living in Waha at the time. So how old was I? Like 9, 10, 11, right in there? Yeah, I think your sister was 11, so you'd have been 9. About 9. So I was about 9. And I saw him doing it, and somebody had given me this Bible that was like for like pre-teens, you know? And so I was like, perfect, it's for me. And And I started reading it every morning because of him, because of his example. That's so awesome that he... Yeah, he said that, and that—that's how, as parents, it's hard to do. But that's how, 
how our children learn is by what we do and not what we say. I mean, everybody knows that saying, but it's true. Yeah. But yeah, so long story short, yep, both of my parents came into church when they were young, and that's what brought all of us children in. But um, we have some a little more time, but there was another, uh, like, two stories I really wanted you to share. Um, you're just telling them to somebody the other week and so I was like I was like mom I want you to share these like I've heard them but um but when you were praying for dad when we were going through the grandpa stuff so just to give a short backstory on what was happening at this time um my grandpa we were trying to get custody guardianship of him because he had he's older and he had allowed some people to move in with him that were um destroying his home and taking his possessions and stuff and selling drugs at and, his home. Yeah, and t- giving him prescription drugs and using his prescription drugs. And so he wasn't in the right mind at the time. And so he wasn't seeing that we were trying to help him, but we were. And so you can tell the story from there. That's just kind of a prelude to what was going on at this time. Yeah, so we had petitioned the court to get guardianship and conservatorship over my father-in-law because of the situation. It was... Um, multiple people had called us, including the bank and neighbors, seeing that the situation was very unsafe and not healthy, and Don's best insurance interests weren't being um, met. So we we had went to the court and had actually got a temporary conservatory and guardianship over him. And part of that was that he all the gums would need to be taken out of the home. That was kind of what the first step the police had told us. That was the first step to go in and take the guns out of the home um, before we could evict all the people living there. And so um, we had called the officer, and I told him that Sean was on his way up to go talk to his father. We had great concerns that his father would pull guns on him. He was a Don, his father was a gun collector, had multiple guns, an insane amount of guns in the home and ammo and just, yeah, way too many. (laughs) Normal people don't have this amount. And we were very worried. We were worried about the people living there because they were selling drugs, what they would do and what he would do. And the police said they could not could not step in until Sean, something had actually happened, until Sean went and took the guns or asked to take the guns. And so I had just talked to the officer, and I called Sean back, and I said, well, you said you have to go in there first. And Sean said, okay. I'm going to probably start crying when I tell this, but um, he said, okay, well, I'll call you right back when I after I go in there. And um, as soon as I hung up the phone with him, I heard this voice and said, get down on your knees and start praying. And I just knew, I knew we were in trouble. And so I started just praying, pleading with God. Like, I didn't even know what I was saying, but I knew we were in really trouble or God wouldn't have told me that. And I had been praying for maybe two or three minutes and Sean called me right back and he said, my dad just pulled a gun on me and said he was going to shoot me and to get out of the house. And the language wasn't so nice. (laughs) (laughs) And dad wasn't being like melodramatic or overdramatic or anything like this was... No, I, I, the tone of his voice, he was he very was upset, yes, yeah. and he and he's not easily upset no. or scared, <laughs> and, um, but it kind of had went down the way he did, but God, I know God had protected him, and, and his dad wasn't in his right mind. He had been drugged um, with his own prescription and alcohol and stuff, and so, so 
I knew God protected him. And then the, um, the backstory to this though, or I guess the four story of this after this is, so we got all the guns out of the house. Um, this particular gun that he drew on Sean, um, Sean took just two or three weeks ago, took it out to shoot it. Um, had never shot it. It took us over a year to get the gun back from the police because it had been pulled and aimed at him. Um, and he said he was pointing it at a target and he held his hand up to fire it and the gun misfired. It went off. It misfired? Is that what it's called? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about guns. So what? So I don't know. So he held the gun up to fire it and he said he never t- touched the trigger. The gun just went off. <gasps> And this was the exact same gun that his father had pulled on him. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and you think, well, what Did if he that pulled the trick? Like, what hap- would have happened if he had never his father had pointed the gun at him and it had done the same thing that it did to Sean? Wow! Or that somebody? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So God is good, wow. and and I think. More than many ways that we understand. I think when we go to heaven, we're going to see so much more that he's actually done for us that we didn't even realize. Yeah. And then and then one more story, because for, for some reason, I really like these stories. I like that God is in relationships. So this is another one about my mom praying for my dad. But um, my dad is a logger. He cuts trees for a living. Um, and so it can be a dangerous job because sometimes trees don't go where they're supposed to go or there's another tree caught up in the tree that you're cutting and they fall on you or something. And so he was at work one day. So you go ahead and you can tell the story from here. <laughs> Are you talking about the last the yeah, last one? Yeah, just recently. Um, yeah, so I many people have asked me, aren't you worried about his job? And... I think I was so young and naive when we got married and I didn't go out and watch him cut trees for many years. And when I actually went out and watched him cut, it is an extremely dangerous job. And I do pray for him. He prays for himself and the men every day. He's very faithful. Um, So it was this last winter. It was on a, I think it was on a Sunday and he was working. He was working back East in West Virginia. And I woke up really early and I just had this impression that um, you need to pray for Sean. And I still had the gun incident on my mind. And I had learned to, like, you need to listen to those. That It's for a reason. So I started praying and praying for him. And I felt content that I, I was fine. And then I don't know how long it was again. I felt impressed. You know, you need to pray for him again. And I'm like, oh. I already did, God, but okay, I'm praying again. <laughs> and Sean called me a little, uh, a few hours later, and he said, um, don't worry, I'm at the hospital, I'm fine, I've been in a logging accident. And I just wanted to cry because I knew it could have been worse because it just could have been, but God was was watching over him. He said that he had been at work that day and he was cutting a tree. It was it was already on the ground, but he, you have to cut the limbs off, and so he was delimbing it. And he didn't realize that there was a limb. He cut it and it somehow sprang the tree to start rolling down the hill. And it took him with it. And he just, the tree and him started rolling down the hill. And he doesn't know how many times the tree rolled over him or what. But he was praying the whole time, you know, God be with me. And he ended up going to the ER. He did hurt his back, but he didn't break anything. He didn't, 
Mm-hmm. God kept him safe. He was he was able to walk out of the hospital. Yeah, a little sore, real sore, <laughs> real sore. But he was, and it's amazing because um, if you know anything about logging, most of the time accidents don't turn out that well. No, no, they don't. No. So is that all the stories you wanted, or do you have more? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any more. I want. Can you think of any more you want to share? Um. I, I think my one of my favorite stories that God has done for me is um, victories and habits. I used to drink six pack of Dr. Pepper every day, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't eat, but I just drank Dr. Pepper <laughs> and I smoked cigarettes. And I never, I always said I could quit cigarettes anytime, quit smoking anytime. I just didn't want to. And the truth of it is, I didn't want to. And um, God gave me victory over that. And that's one of my favorite things that he's done for me. I One day I went to smoke a cigarette and it was just disgusting and it was gross. And I was like, what's wrong with this cigarette? <laughs> so I threw it out and I started another one and I had the same experience. And so I was frustrated. I went to the store and I bought another pack and I tried to smoke that and it just was gross. I just, I can't explain it, but... With smoking, um, there's a lot of habits that trigger your emotion, trigger things that you want to smoke a cigarette. So, like if I was drinking a pop, I still would try to smoke a cigarette because it was triggering that. I would, they went hand in hand in me. Sometimes people drink coffee and smoke cigarettes, and that will trigger it. But mine was pop, um, or I was still drinking alcohol. So when I drank alcohol, I wanted to smoke too, and he just took it from me. And I, I this went on for several months. And I finally I just said, okay, I get it. I'm not going to do this. Now, later, I did try to smoke a cigarette and could have easily picked it up again. I realized that I needed to be very careful. But God did that for me with smoking. Eventually, he did that with pop and alcohol. Alcohol was really hard. Mm. I The social aspect of, of giving up alcohol was probably the hardest. I grew up where alcohol was had anything to do with socializing with people. I was very shy and introverted. It's hard for me to talk to people and meet people, especially when I was younger. Um, so becoming a Christian and walking with God is not easy. <laughs> um, but He will give you victory. You just don't quit. You know, you can't quit praying about it. And you need a good church family. I don't think I could have done any of this without the support of them. Yeah, yeah. And that was another thing I was thinking we were talking about the church that you'd end um your friend from the bar taking you to the church that you'd been looking for that was in the those were the people that came and did the bible study that church had a really strong church community of like they had events for like the people to come and do things and they just they were a family and like i remember going and doing things and loving those people like yeah and they loved us unconditionally we were definitely from the world, definitely, and yet they dressed dress different, talk different, act different. I mean, mm-hmm. ate different. And you had two naughty little children. Like I was a spaz, and I remember <laughs> going to church functions and just just being naughty, and yeah. nobody. I mean, like I'm sure they cared, but like, yeah, we eventually had four children, and so sometimes sitting in the pew with four kids that are all close in age, climbing over the pew. Um, it was usually under the pews. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's you. And um, they didn't try to change me. They just walked beside me and they helped me make those choices. They didn't make them for me. 
and they didn't try to do it for me and they didn't try to tell me how to do it. They just walked beside me to help me make those choices when I was ready. That's really awesome. That's God. That's mm-hmm. I think that's what being a Christian is. And I think Christianity as a whole and churches have a really bad view from the from people because many times we're so enthused about our walk with God and we're so enthused. We want everyone to do it just like us and be convicted and be on the same level. And that's not how God works. Mm-mm. We're all at different spots learning different things. Yeah. And we need to embrace the the little victories that people have when they first come into the church and realize it's hard. Every step is hard. And God didn't make me give up smoking and drinking and, and marijuana or any of that all at the same time. He let me do it when I was able to do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think we've definitely shared enough. And I really thank you for doing this with me, Mom, Tawny. Yeah. And, and praise God. We pray that the story and all the other stories that you record can bless people and help them to have a better, clearer view of who God really is and how he, can, he wants them in his life. And he's wooing people to him. And don't miss that opportunity to know him. Um, I remember, I'll just show this really quick. Okay. I I don't remember having a lot of fun in my childhood. I, I'm not saying I had a bad childhood, but I didn't have a lot of joy, I guess is what I want to say. And I remember coming to a church function, and um, I remember thinking, I, I remember telling them, I can't believe this is so much fun. I never Aww. knew this would be fun. And it was simple things, you know, playing board games. It was. I remember they, they played all sorts of, like, silly little games where you threw a piece of string over a cardboard wall and you got a prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had never had that. And I thought this is so joy. Real joy comes from God. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to share. That's beautiful. And I think we forgot to pray at the start of the podcast. My mom and I prayed before we started recording. Yeah. So we're going to pray now with um, you all. I'll pray real quick. Um, dear Lord, thank you for... Um, letting me interview my mom this week and for letting us share this testimony. Please just let it reach ears that need to hear this story and that will see that through the story that you are real and you are good and that you are still working in people's lives today. Um, and just let them be able to take something away from all these words that we speak and just guide their these words and be with this podcast and let it be wholly yours and to give all the glory to you. And thank you for letting us take part in your work. Amen. Amen. All right. So guys, remember God is real. God is good. Have a good week. Bye.